welcome to the Million Vegan Grandmothers podcast. And I have Judy McCoy Carmen. And Judy is, well, we were just having a little pre chat. There's always really good pre chats before we do our little interviews and conversations and podcasts on how long Judy's been involved with these animals. Because I had a beautiful podcast with Deborah Elliott from LA who started Teach With teach with movies yesterday and I was talking about the whales in the Baja California and the sanctuary there for whales and the ability for the whales to be protected and Judy said I know that and I was like Judy you've been doing this since you've been a teenager and she says yes so Judy's <laughs> last book Homo Ahimsa has trailblazed into many of our hearts and our in our communities as a way of becoming, you know, that we can become homo ahimsas instead of homo sapiens who have ravished the earth and become homo ahimsa, meaning that we are people of compassion. And that is the way that we conduct ourselves in everything we do and everything we eat and everything we become. So welcome, Judy Carmen. Thank you, Tammy. It's so great to be here. And hi, everyone that's listening in. It's great to have you all with us. So uh, yeah, where do you want me to start, Tammy? Well, I would like you to start wherever you like. I would like, I, you know, Judy, I have known you from our convergences and, and being a fellow grandmother, and I would love you to share some of those antidotes throughout this conversation about what it's like to be a vegan grandmother and what that means to you but also maybe where you started in this whole journey, where as young as you remember, really feeling that deep compassion for the animals and somehow never letting it extinguish and becoming, you know, this person that brings to the forefront in such a gentle, loving and kind way, Judy, the truth, the truth of what's going on. So thank you. Well, thanks, Tammy. Um, so, well, um, I am a grandmother, as you pointed out, and so this is uh, really special for me to be here uh, talking about this. I have four grandchildren, and um, that is, they're the light of my life, of course. And so, but, but to go back, um, yeah, I, it just goes way back. Um, I, I did have a pony that I bought with my own money when I was 10 and uh, my parents had moved to a place where there was actually a pasture and a little barn and uh, of course I didn't think much about how much it would cost them to take care of the, the horse <laughs> but I had the money saved to buy her and um, so, so that kind of started my my horse journey and uh, my parents wanted me to be in the American Royal, which is in Kansas City. That's where we lived at the time. And so they bought a three-gated horse. And she I called her Misty. She was a beautiful silver gray horse. But I found out soon if I was going to compete in the American Royal, they wanted me to cut the tendon in her tail. So her tail would stick straight up and shave her mane. So, because that's just how they did it, right? Tradition and all that stuff. 
Well, I said, no, um, that wouldn't be right to do that. And so uh, that may have been one of my first <laughs> animal rights things. I didn't like putting the bit in her mouth. Um, just the whole thing kind of fell flat <laughs> as far as they were concerned. And I actually did compete in the three gated um, event at the American Royal. And of course, I didn't win anything <laughs> because all the other horses were lifting their legs, which they were doing because of the, the training methods that I didn't want to do and, um, and their tails and their manes. So, so that was kind of the end of that. My parents pretty much gave up, I think, on trying to get me to fit in. So I, I don't know. Um, I, I think all children are born <clears throat> with that sense of that animals are our friends and it's just uh, society tries to kind of talk you out of it uh do you know use different tactics like like the poor kids uh in 4-h you know who raise their little cows and sheep and pigs thinking these are my babies and are then are forced to give them up unless they have the somehow the strength and the support from adults around to help those animals find sanctuary so and and not be killed so it's i think it's in all of us this innate knowledge that we are we're connected to the animals in so many ways they are our brothers and sisters they are um, are teachers in many, many ways. And so uh, I feel I very blessed that I was somehow able to hang on to that sense of empathy for them. And uh, it has led me to a lot of work in animal rights over the years. So um, it's, it's been a, quite a journey and a long one. And um, but I, I wrote the book Homo Ahimsa uh, because uh, I, I just felt like it's a, after doing a lot of activist work and uh, protests and that sort of thing, trying to get people to come around to the idea of becoming vegan for the animals, for ethics for their health, for the environment, for all the different great reasons that there are, uh, primarily the cruelty uh, towards the animals. But um, as we all know, we need to work faster. Uh, there's, there's so much at stake. And of course, my grandchildren are a big motivation for me and, and really the animals' grandchildren too. And, and all, you know, the, the uh, babies left to be born that need a home on this planet. And so it occurred to me, and I actually uh, coined the term homo ahimsa in my, uh, my book, Peace to All Beings, which I wrote back in 22, I think. Uh, I'm not 22, uh, 2002. Um, but it's just occurred to me, I need to spend more time talking about that and so I wrote 
the book, Homo Ahimsa, who we really are and how we're going to save the world. And so in that book, and before I go on about that, let me um, define the word ahimsa for anyone who isn't familiar with it. Uh, it is, to me, one of the most beautiful words in any language. It's a Sanskrit word that means non-harm, literally. That is the basic name because ahim, or ahimsa, the word himsa, sorry, means harm and the a in front of it means non-harm and so ahimsa means non-harm it means loving kindness it, it's a it's a huge word it it brought draws into it the idea of unconditional love and living in a way of not just not doing harm but being kind to all and finding ways to care for others and living <clears throat> literally by the golden rule, which all, even though this is a Sanskrit word <clears throat> coming out of Hinduism, this, the golden rule is common to nearly every religion that there is. In, and it's worded in different ways, but it all comes out meaning the same, do unto others as you would have them do unto you which is exactly what ahimsa means. And so um, I thought, let me, so, okay, so that's the definition of ahimsa uh, pretty much, uh, but it's, you know, it's much more broad than that. And Gandhi took the vow of ahimsa because he was, well, he was raised that way. And then he really came to a point in his life where he understood it fully. And as we all know, he, he lived a life to demonstrate ahimsa in, in every way you can imagine. And he's a great model for all of us. So, but, so in the book, basically what I'm trying to say is, okay, we've done all of this work to bring us to this point. The environmentalists have, the animal rights people have, uh, the, the social justice people have. We've all been working so hard, and but things are not looking good on the planet, as as we all know. And uh, I wanted to to read um, one of my favorite quotes from Wendell Berry. He says, "For I do not doubt that it it is only on the condition of humility and reverence before the world." that our species will be able to remain in it. Well, as grandmothers, we want our, our little behaves to be able to remain in this world. We want to take part in making this world livable for everyone. And of course, if it's not livable for the animals, it's not livable for us either. And that's a really important thing for everyone to remember. But the, the book itself, uh, I start out by explaining the first section of the book, why, why we need to become homo himself, why we need to leave homo sapiens behind. Homo sapiens, as Tammy pointed out, has done nothing but get us to this point of in, 
environmental destruction, all kinds of desertification and, and forest removal and all these horrible things that are, have been happening. And ocean, we can go on and on, right? All of you know all that stuff. And we all have a basic sense that it's gotten it's gotten out of hand. We have to do something. So the idea behind, so that's the why. That's why we have to become a homo ahimsa. But what about the how? That's the second section of the book. And in that section, I make a big point that what we're talking about here is changing ourselves. We can't change the world if we don't change ourselves. And that's kind of a hard uh, thing to swallow because it's, it's, it's almost easier in a way to go out and protest and hold signs, but then go home and, oh, okay, I've got to change too. That's a little bit harder. But this whole mess that we're in has been caused by human beings, ourselves, who have not been acting in the proper way, acting by the golden rule and by ahimsa towards the world. So one of the big points I make is that we all have that nature within ourselves to become, to be homo ahimsa, not to become it, but to be it and to be the human being that can save this world from homo sapiens. And so it's going to require not just the outer work, but a lot of inner work too. And so that's in the second part of the book. And of course, you know, there's hundreds of books out there on how do we go within and find that true person the person we really, really are, and let go of all the cultural programs and create, move into, I should say, this creature that we really are, this loving creature, this being of love that came here on this planet to love and to be loved, to bring love, to share love. So that's that's kind of a little synopsis, Tammy. What do you think? It's perfect, Judy. You know, I wonder sometimes, you know, as you're speaking, I was writing a little bit in my new book, uh, a new book that my partner and I are writing called Grief Mapping, because we want to be able to help people understand that we can't get stuck too long in denial or, or um, depression or anger or any of that, that we were in really precarious times. And when I was writing in this, I was writing that I really do feel that the reason why a lot of that everyone is an activist is that they have so much accumulated grief and trauma, and that they're worn out trying to survive. And that life has, for most people has become a dance of coping, not resourcing. And I believe that if we can all free up with that quiet meditative space that you talk about, that, that finding that still place within so that we can really listen to what our calling is 
and then make the next right move. I believe we need space to do that, space with it between our thoughts, you know, space in our body, like not, not being toxic, you know, through, from all the chemicals and all the stuff that we ingest and all the noise that they feed us. So I, I often wonder whether moving into a grandmother uh, stage of our life, we have, we have learned to let go of the stuff that doesn't serve us, but that never did serve us, but we didn't know how to, you know, free ourselves of the shackles of that. And now we just know, and which everyone should know, our time is really precious. I mean, if people don't feel that right now on the planet, that every day matters and every action matters. Um, then it, then to me, it just means they have too much accumulated grief and trauma to take a look. And as you say in, in Homo Ahimsa, you know, it's hard to look, but we must. And I'm wondering if so many people can't look because they don't have enough space freed up within their soma and within their mind to be able to, maybe even within their home, to be able to, to look, to really look, Judy. Yeah, Tammy, that's so well said. And uh, I really agree that uh, most people are caught up in just trying to survive. And um, there's a lot of talk also about kind of a free floating anxiety that is in the world now because of all the technology and all of the bad news. I mean, the if you're watching the news at all, that is extremely toxic to your mental well-being and and yet you know we're watching because we want to know what's going on and and what can we do to protect our children and all these things but it is overwhelming and so it is it is we are being called i believe right now at this time i i believe this is a a huge opportunity for transformation right now for spiritual transformation and we're being we're actually kind of like anyone who kind of hits bottom it's like we're all kind of there and we don't really have a choice now we have got to go within we've got to change ourselves we've, we've got to go back home to who we really are and um and I think we need each other tremendously for that. And I think podcasts like yours and organizations like the Million Vegan Grandmothers and so many others, the goal is to help people see beyond what's happening and realize this is actually an exciting time to be alive because we do, we actually have an opportunity here that humanity maybe has never had before. We don't really know, but um, it's very possible that this is it, that we're now at the precipice where we can evolve spiritually, really, and become who we really are. And once we do that internally and externally, both our thoughts and our actions, and our emotions, when we can do that, then, then we will know what to do for the world. And I think a lot of our work has been done without really knowing what to do. 
what technology is not going to fix this. And uh, I shouldn't say that because some might, but a lot of the technology, like the AI stuff that's coming out um, and uh, some of the medical stuff that's happening uh, is, is sending us backwards or, or in on the wrong path, I should say. Uh, we need to get in touch with nature. We need to get in touch with our deepest selves, whatever that takes. And of course, meditation is a huge part of that. And finding uh, the right books, the right teachers, the right help. Uh, but we all need help with that. And with the goal being to see beyond all of this chaos that's going on to the beauty of life and to the love that exists everywhere in every cell, every breath of air, when you breathe in, you're breathing in love. That's the animating force. And realizing that is, I think, maybe one of the best things we can do for ourselves to, to go within and reach this point where we understand we are love. That's who we are and we're here to love. And so um, I wanted to, you were talking earlier, Tammy, about movies. And um, I was reminded of a movie called Collateral Beauty. And I highly recommend that movie to everybody. It is so profound in its meaning. And I'll just, I'll try to real briefly uh, talk about it because I know we're, we're kind of running out of time, but uh, this couple is losing their daughter. She's dying. And um, the mother is sitting on a bench in the hospital and a woman comes up to her, an elderly grandmother. And she sits down beside her and she says, uh, is anything wrong? And the mother says, yes, my daughter's dying. And the woman says, don't forget to look for the collateral beauty. And then she walks away. And that's Helen Mirren um, doing playing, playing that role. And then the whole movie kind of unfolds as the mother has kind of gotten hold of that idea and understood it, where the dad has not been able to. And so it's about his struggle of trying to uh, cope with this he just he cannot cope he's lost his job he's he's just wandering around and um he but it finally um not to ruin the story but um comes around but the idea is collateral beauty is is where you're seeing beyond the veil you're realizing that what's happening out in the world can't affect you that the your inner strength is coming from a divine resource that is that we we're all connected to and all we have to do is understand that connection feel it deeply and live in that and so that when when we feel like 
oh, that person just offended me. We go, no, no, th this is my reaction to that that is upsetting me. And that is the path that we're on. And we can actually evolve to become a new creature, homo himsa, if we, if we make up our minds to do that. So that's, um, I think, a, a great hope for us and for our grandchildren. While you were speaking, Judy, I was thinking that that's what we're in the middle of, in the middle of collateral beauty. You know, the beauty of what was that we've lost on the planet, but the beauty of what's to become because of it, right? Not yeah. despite it, but because of it. Exactly. Yeah. Like so many people, yeah, so many people will say they got cancer. It was the best thing that ever happened to them. Right. And that's what we're kind of talking about here. It's, it's like, we can't wait around anymore. We have to do this. We have to grow up. <laughs> yes. And, and to, to be able to take that collateral beauty into, I, I was away. My, my partner was my beloved partner was so kind to take me away to the mountains for my birthday. And on our, it was such a gorgeous time. And on the way home, something didn't sit right with dinner. I don't eat out very often. And, and I was, he had to pull over on the side of the highway quite quickly. And I vomited every, all my dinner out. And then I, we carried on and, you know, I could tell he was feeling really heavy when he came to bed that night, really sad that I, you know, that the night that the weekend ended like that. And I said, Oh, please don't make a big deal out of it. My body's really wise. There was something in the food and my body was wise enough to know it didn't want to keep it inside of me. I said, my body has deep wisdom now, you know, that's one of the gifts, like you said, of cancer, that was my gift with having Crohn's. It's my best biofeedback loop, my body will tell me when it doesn't want to be in a certain situation, the people I, I don't that that I get a gut instinct about that make me feel a little sick, the, you know, the way to protect myself and the food that doesn't want to stay inside. So it's our innate wisdom, you know, people call it being sick, I call it a healing crisis. And so that's the collateral beauty I've received from and and I became vegan. So that's, that's been a huge gift. Yeah, yeah. So well, you were yeah. speaking I was thinking about how, you know, the collateral beauty, we have both, we've both lost a child, you know, which mm -hmm. is out of order for so many people. And, you know, they warned us that we might move into a time when we will outlive our children. And that was unimaginable for many parents. Right. Tell, you know, the way you've sourced your life is that you have found collateral beauty in that, that you have taken, taken what you needed from that to you know, live a richer life. Is, is that true? Is there truth in that? Um, <clears throat> yeah, Tammy, um, it, it, you, it brings you to a, a break point, a breaking point, I think, um, similar to what all everyone on earth is facing now with the planet, planetary crisis. Um, it brings you to that point in your personal life to lose a child. Um, it's you think you're going to die too. And uh, but yet um, you have the other grandchildren, 
you have your other children and uh, you, you know, you have to go on. And so you do, but do you want to go on in misery or do you want to go on in a way that honors their memory? And, uh, and so that's a, a journey. It's, it's a journey. And I love that you're talking about um, grief because I think it's not just um, our losing children. It's lots of grief, like you say, from many different angles that people are experiencing. Um, uh, going through the the COVID thing and and uh, being isolated and there's a lot of grief associated with with that, especially people who weren't allowed to see their grandchildren. I I was very blessed. Uh, I was never separated from mine, um, but some people were, and uh, there's tremendous <clears throat> grief from that. And <clears throat> people need help and I think your book is going to be uh, a real guiding star for people to get through grief to be able to identify that they're in grief mm -hmm. um, and uh, because a lot of grief I think is so amorphous at this point just uh, by watching the news I mean how many horrible deaths can you hear about on the news and not go into grief even if you didn't know those people, um, and how many times are you going to have to hear about the earth, you know, what's happening to um, the environment and not be in grief? And, uh, or as we do when we're coming back from California to Kansas, driving through Texas and seeing the feedlots full of, I mean, miles of feedlots full of animals that are going to die and living in their own waste and <clears throat> how do you you can't go by that without having grief coming forth and yet um it's not always identified that way so i think <clears throat> i think your book is really important uh, in that way for people to be able to say, oh my gosh, I, I really am in grief about what's happening to the, to the world and, uh, and what is going to happen to our children and our grandchildren, what is going to happen to them if, you know, if things don't change. And so there's, there's a lot of, of free-floating anxiety, free-floating grief, all these things that um, require us to take care of ourselves the way we do our grandchildren, the way we love our grandchildren, we need to love ourselves the same way. And I, I guess that we're really blessed, Tammy, you and I, and everyone who's a grandparent to, to have that feeling of love that just pours out of you when when you first see that little baby's face and I think I I heard somebody say one time I I didn't just love that baby I became love and I think um, a lot of people who have bonded with a child 
uh, can identify with uh, with that and and with dogs and cats and horses and you know any kind of a bond like that it awakens us to the potential we have for this literally divine unconditional love that that is who we are and so anytime we experience that no matter what the the event is whether it's a grandchild being born or uh, or you're uh you've gone to the shelter and adopted a little dog or whatever the event is that brings that love out that's who you are that's who we all are and we can do this we can change the world once we have enough of us have gotten to that place where we understand that we are spiritual beings of love and we are here only to bring love to the world that's our job then new ideas are going to start flowing all over the place on what to do how are we going to fix this we'll know we'll know what to do and we'll be able to do it so i i do have a lot of hope and I think um, the million vegan grandmothers do too. <laughs> I think that there's all kinds of inner innovations happening as we speak. And we, we know that every contribution matters. And, and I certainly appreciate yours, Judy, and, and all the grandmothers that are gathering together and all the people everywhere. You know, I was listening to a, a Rich Roll Zach Bush podcast a couple of days ago and um, Zach was talking about some technology that he helped found and it, um, it is like a gigantic mitochondria that could eat up like thousands of tons of plastic in no time at all. And so we know that this technology is happening. There's, there's homes being built that give way more than they will ever take. And we have the answers already and and what you were saying reminded me of a song by um, Jack Johnson. I think it's in the Curious George soundtrack. And it goes something like, we can change the world with our own two hands. Make it a better place with our own two hands. And we do that. We do that by joining together. So, yeah, that's beautiful. Awesome. Tammy. Thank you. <laughs> A beautiful voice. And thank you for your two hands and your two eyes and your two ears that are always open to hear what's going on and reflecting that back into the world. I know that you've changed so many people for the good and awakened so many hearts. And for that, I'm grateful to be your grandmother sister in this journey. And um, namaste. I'm grateful to be yours, Tammy. <laughs> namaste, vegan. <laughs> so we meet again judy yes <laughs> blessings everyone blessings everyone thank you